0: Men, you are listening to the Blue Notes Podcast, which is a presentation of Indianapolis Colts stories and notes. I am your sad, sad host, Benji Taylor. Saturday night, in the first primetime game of the season, the Colts fell short to division foe the Houston Texans in what was essentially a play-in game for the NFL playoffs. The Colts football season is now sadly over. With great agony, we will address that game. Then, we'll see what needs to happen in the offseason. Stay with me, Colts fans. The stage was set for a pretty fair matchup to send one AFC South team to the playoffs. Both teams were bad last year and drafted quarterbacks in the top four picks of the NFL draft back in April. The Texans have theirs, while the Colts have played most of the year without their rookie quarterback Anthony Richardson. Otherwise the Colts were the healthier team. JT played in this matchup, but missed the first game against the Texans. Since the Steelers won earlier that same day, the winner of this game would advance, and the loser is done for the season. The Colts, like so many other teams, were playing with a backup quarterback. On the other side, C.J. Stroud seems to have some special traits and there was no better evidence of this than the first throw of the game, which was a 75 yard touchdown pass to Nico Collins. The Colts, however, were the much more disciplined team and committed much fewer penalties. Both sides had some advantages, but they all seemed to balance out. In other words, neither team could say they were grossly disadvantaged, which is what you want for a game like this, right? The two AFC South teams were evenly matched, and the game played out that way. The Texans had the largest lead of the game, which was 11 points, but the Colts had more yards and more yards per play. It was close till the very end, and in the end, the game was decided by one of the strangest decisions you'll see in the NFL, and that was the decision to sub in reserve player Tyler Goodson for Jonathan Taylor on a fourth down on the final drive of the game in the nba playoffs teams will often shorten their rotations from 10 or 12 players down to eight that's five starters and three dependable bench players because in the most important moments in the game especially in the playoffs you've got to have guys you can trust football however tends to be more schematic so, coaches are often looking for an unexpected edge, a move that the opponent hadn't really considered. And that's what brings us to the Goodson decision. On fourth down and one, down 23 17, with 106 left in the game, Shane Steichen not only subbed in Tyler Goodson for Jonathan Taylor, but he elected to throw him the pass for the conversion. In the most important game of the season, on the most important play of the season, the call was to throw Tyler Goodson the football. A few weeks ago, I raved about how good the backup running backs played in the win against the Steelers. JT didn't play in that game, and Zach Moss was injured during the game. That left Trey Sermon and Tyler Goodson to take over the backfield, and they performed marvelously. But here, in what would be Jonathan Taylor's most productive game of the season, after he was injured earlier in the game, ruled doubtful to return, He did, in fact, return and battled through the pain to rush for 188 yards on over six yards per carry. With Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss both available, Tyler Goodson was the target. He was the decision. This was the one that would produce seismic responses either way. If it works, Steichen is a genius. But if it doesn't, he looks like the dumbest person in the stadium of 65,000 people. As we now know, it didn't work. Gardner Minshew dropped back on that fourth and one and immediately threw left. The ball was not on target as it was low and a bit short. Goodson turned back and reached down. The ball bounced devastatingly off both of Goodson's hands, effectively ending the Colts' season. Minshew and Goodson both deserve a fair shot of blame, but I think head coach Shane Steichen deserves the gallon jug. Minshew could have thrown a better ball, Goodson could have caught the ball and converted the first down, but why on earth would you put the entire season, everything, all those players and coaches and staff all worked for in the hands of a guy who had played only six games in his entire NFL career? In that moment, why throw to a player who had only caught six passes in his NFL career? There was an obvious and unfortunate theme earlier in this game. Players were dropping well-thrown balls. When a backup quarterback is called upon to plug the holes and move the engine onward, everything else has to be right. Guys have to pick up the slack. For the most part, they did, and they played better throughout the game. But this was an impossible play. A backup quarterback throwing the ball to an unknown running back with the season on the line. If it worked, it would have been a miracle. I mentioned earlier that the roster rotations shrink in the NBA playoffs because teams depend only on the guys they know they can trust in difficult situations. This is not the NBA, but it just makes good sense to shrink the rotation, to target the best guys, the ones who produce more and earn the biggest paychecks. For some reason, Jonathan Taylor isn't known as the passing down back But in this situation, with the season on the line, especially with the type of game he was having, I would bet on JT 100 times out of 100. Having said all of that, and I think with good reason, I still have to say that this season was a success. It was. That play deserves heaps of criticism. It was the difference in the game. It was the great wall that blocked the Colts from entering the postseason for the first time since 2020. That play deserves to be dissected and dismantled. But when you zoom out and see the season for what it was, well, I can't speak for you, but I was impressed. The Colts lost their starting quarterback. Big deal. Plenty of teams lost their starting quarterback, but many of those teams dissolved into an embarrassing puddle of sadness. The Colts won nine games and were on the cusp of a playoff berth. This team lost its quarterback, had a first-time head coach, were expected to win maybe four or five games, and with one minute and six seconds left in their season, the Colts still had a chance to win the division. They fell short, and that sucks, but they won nine games. JT is locked in a long-term deal. The offensive line responded with a much better season this year. I'm still salty, and I'm sure the players are as well, but there's a lot to be happy about in Indy. Aside from the heart-crushing loss, there is one more reason to have the Blues after that season. We didn't even get to see our rookie quarterback develop. We barely got to see him play. Of course, there is excitement for Anthony Richardson's future in Indy, but there is also a healthy dose of apprehension. Can this guy even finish a season? Can he develop into a pro quarterback? We have those and many other questions facing our Colts this offseason, I can't answer those questions, but I do want to provide my off-season wish list. Here are some things I want to happen over the next few months in order of priority. Number one, re-sign Michael Pittman Jr. That's tops. That's number one on my list. The guy is the heart and soul of this team, especially the offense. His skills and what he does for this team just can't be quantified. It seems like he wants to test the market, and I fear that he will like the numbers he hears from other teams, but I hope that Chris Ballard matches every offer and brings back Michael Pittman Jr. A few other free agents that I'd like to see return, but would slot under Michael Pittman Jr. are Grover Stewart, Kenny Moore, Julian Blackman, Zach Moss, Taequann Lewis, and Gardner Minshew. I'd love to see all those guys return, although I do think it's unlikely to get all of them back. I saw a comment online that Indy should let Gardner go and find another quarterback who plays AR style of football so the offense wouldn't need to change so much when and if AR misses more games. That plan makes sense and I suggested as much earlier this season, but how can you not be impressed with what Gardner did this year? I'd love to have him back. I'd be okay with not re-signing punter Rigoberto Sanchez. I know he made my top 100 on last week's episode. Hope you like that by the way, <laughs> but I had a lot of fun doing it. And I know Rigo made it last week. He made that top 100, but I also mentioned that he hasn't been really great since the injury. I'd be glad to have him back, but wouldn't lose sleep if the Colts went another way. And how about Gus Bradley? I guess you could say the defensive coordinator has struggled this year, But didn't we expect that? The Colts went decidedly young at cornerback. They didn't have a trademark pass rusher. I guess I'm not surprised by the defensive performance because I didn't expect too much. Truthfully, I was pretty impressed by the defense this season. On the Play Callers podcast, Mike McDaniel, the Dolphins head coach talks about hiring Vic Fangio as his defensive coordinator because he struggled against him. And now he gets to work on those struggles every day in practice. I do wonder if Shane Steichen has that in Gus. I like the guy and I'm fine with him staying. But like the Rego decision, I'm not really losing sleep either way. If re-signing MPJ is priority number one, priority number two or one A is to sign Bengals receiver T. Higgins, who is expected to hit the free market. I think this is the next big wide receiver move across the league. Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins lifted that team. A.J. Brown to the Eagles massively helped their offense. I think wherever Higgins goes, that team will be 10 times better next year. Could the Colts afford MPJ and T. Higgins? (laughs) Probably not, but we have to have at least one of them. Much like the Gus decision, there is another one that I don't feel really great about either way, and that's the fifth-year option on Quiddy Pay. Since he was a first-round pick, the Colts have to decide this summer whether to pick up his contract for a fifth season. My immediate leaning would be no, since he hasn't really lived up to a first-round billing. But I'm going to say yes instead. Here's my thinking. Imagine Quiddy has a a good or a great year in 2024, and the Colts want to keep him. He'd cost a fortune then, especially on the franchise tag. The fifth-year option is expensive, but it would still be cheaper than the tag. And even if he's not great, you can never have too many pass rushers. Again, I don't have strong convictions either way, but I'd probably give Quiddy the fifth year thinking that it would be a worthy investment. The worst that would happen is that he continues to be pretty good, but not great. Then you can let him go after that fifth year, no big deal. Since I would be bringing back MPJ, hopefully, And also, hopefully, making a run at T. Higgins, I wouldn't worry as much about receiver in the draft. Even if you whiff on Higgins, you can still get good receivers in the second and third rounds. A position group that I would target heavily in the draft is the offensive line. They bounced back beautifully this year, and I was thrilled about that. But let me ask you a question. If Ryan Kelly retired tomorrow, would you be shocked? I wouldn't. I love the guy, but he's 30 years old. He has twin babies at home. He just finished one of his best seasons as a pro, yet he has also struggled with concussions this year. Retirement has to enter his mind, if not this year, maybe the next. And on the right side, Braden Smith struggled so much with that knee injury. He's only 27, but when do injuries start to pile up? At right guard, Will Fries had a really nice season, but do you want to bet your mortgage on him? Maybe this starting five returns and has another stellar year, but the Colts have to be prepared for an alternate reality. I would target this group early and often in the NFL draft. Additionally, I expect the Colts to draft an edge rusher. Samson Ebicom was really good this year and he's on contract through 2025. Dio is emerging, but I think you need one more, especially if the team elects not to pick up Quitty's fifth-year option. And that's my wish list. Uh, I do think we have our quarterback, so now we just need MPJ back. I'd love to see Grover, Blackman, and a few others back too. Otherwise, who knows what will happen over the next few months. Colts fans, this concludes Season 3 of Blue Notes. It was a successful season, I think. I wish we saw a little bit more of Anthony Richardson. But in his absence, I came to really love Gardner Minshew. And I love that this team didn't quit even when they lost their starting quarterback. Shane Steichen did some good things, but he'll need to improve as well in year two. The highlight of the year for me, well, it's a toss-up between going to the Steelers game and seeing our Colts pound those sorry Steelers, or the exact minute, and I remember this, when I saw the alert on my phone that Jonathan Taylor, much to my surprise, had signed a long-term deal with the Colts. Either way, it was a good year. I imagine I'll come back around draft time with an episode or two. Otherwise, I'll talk to you in August. Come back for season four of Blue Notes. Take care and go Colts. This was a presentation of the Blue Notes podcast. I'm Benji Taylor. Thanks for listening.